Hey there. It's Friday. You know what that means? You are probably planning your weekend. And I've got a great idea for you. What Next is having our first live show tomorrow, Saturday, June 8th, in New York City. And you are 100% invited. I would seriously love to meet you there. The way to get tickets is to go online, slate.com slash slate day 2019. I'm going to be talking to comedian Wyatt Cenac, New York City public advocate Jumani Williams, NBC legal analyst Mimi Roca. It's going to be so much fun. And I've said this before, but I'll repeat it. If you want a discount code, like 30% off this thing, I'll give that to you too. Just shoot me a DM at Mary's desk on Twitter. One more thing, I'm getting ready for Slate Day today. That means today's show is a repeat. It's one of our favorites, aired back in February. So enjoy it. My name is Morris Pearl. I'm the chairperson of the Patriotic Millionaires. Can can I call you Morris? What, What should I call you? You can call me Morris. If you saw Morris Pearl walking down the street, you probably wouldn't think to yourself, that looks like a millionaire. You know, different people take different approaches. You decide to be a journalist. I decided to go into structured finance. Do you like being known as a millionaire? I don't mind. The funny thing about being a millionaire is that everyone wants to be one. But once you are one, you probably don't want to talk about it. Even if you're Morris Pearl, who's in charge of a group of people who call themselves the patriotic millionaires. When we do have some kind of group meeting with our members, the complaints are always about the name. Well, we could sign up more people if we just change the name of the group to, you know, Responsible Americans or something. This name, though, it's intentionally provocative. You know, with these business cards, say patriotic millionaires, I can get a meeting with pretty much anybody I want to meet with. (laughs) You know, so I get to know the Speaker of the House and the head of the Democratic National Committee. And, you know, people want to meet with me all the time. You know, I get to go on Slate once in a while. Whenever Morris meets up with a politician or a journalist, he's there to talk about one thing, taxes. He wants to pay more. Yeah. Morris has been asking the U.S. government to send him a bigger tax bill for years. That's what I'm for. He's got money. He likes his money. But he's worried about the growing gap between people like him and everyone else. We're going more and more towards a kind of society with some people and some other people And one group never deals with the other group. And pretty soon, the bigger group is going to get fed up with this. And they're not going to take it anymore. You know, they tried apartheid in South Africa for a few decades. It didn't end well, you know, for the people who are promoting it. And, you know, these very unequal societies end in a not well thing. That's the kind of thing I'm afraid of, is sort of a breakdown of society. Today on the show, Morris Pearl is going to lay out what it takes to be a patriotic millionaire. I'm Mary Harris. You are listening to What Next. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, 
That means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I want to take you back a little bit. You wrote about this moment where you were in Greece in 2013. Yeah, in the summertime. We were employed to try to examine the balance sheet of the commercial banks to figure out how much of a bailout they needed from the IMF and the European Central Bank. And you looked outside. Yeah. And you saw people beginning to gather. Yeah, I was, we were having a lunch break and I was kind of grabbing some extra dessert from this buffet and I kind of walked over to the window so people wouldn't notice I was having two desserts, I guess. And I was looking out the window and I saw this large group of people going down the street. And I thought to myself, there's no parade today. It's not a holiday. The streets should be open. Then I realized it was actually like a riot moving. Well, maybe a demonstration could have been a riot, I guess, moving down the street towards the uh, the area where Parliament met. And I, then I, when I turned around, I noticed there were like 20 well-dressed people having lunch with me, my colleagues in this room. And... I just kind of thought to myself, you know, maybe I'm helping these 20 people, but I'm not sure that my project is helping those other thousands of people downstairs. It's interesting because it's like you you saw these people coming down the street and I wonder, like, did you have an emotional response of like, am I on the right side of the glass here? <laughs> well, it was sort of like, I want to feel like I'm doing something to, you know, help somebody do something. You know, that's why I liked doing my job, that clients came to us because they needed something, and we were able to help solve their problems, and I liked that. It made me feel good. And I was kind of thinking that, you know, I could do more to help more people in, in a different capacity, and so that's what I'm doing now. I mean, I'm wondering, you live in New York City. I do. There's a strong culture of people of means, like going to galas, meeting each other, a strong social community. When you see people at events like that, where you're surrounded by other people with wealth, and you sort of explain what you're doing, what's the reaction? Well, frankly, relatively often the reaction is that somebody reaches into their pocket and takes out their business card and says, please send me some information about it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think most people, I mean, look at New York, look at how people vote in New York. I mean, most people are on our side, really. I, you know, I don't feel like I'm the, you know, enemy of anybody. I okay, mean, but even you have written, while I like to believe my fellow millionaires will see the light soon, we can't rely on them. Well, we can't rely on just voluntary action. I mean, what we're supporting isn't philanthropy. We're not supporting charity of people sort of giving away their money. We're supporting changing the laws in our country so that those people who make more money have higher tax rates than those people who make less money. You know, that's what we, we need rules uh, that we all follow. You know, those there's people that ask me, you know, at hearing sometimes, oh, can't we just trust billionaires to give away their money and be more effective than the government? Well, no, we need laws and rules that are created by the voters or their representatives. A couple of weeks ago, you went to Albany 
to testify and say, listen, I have money. You should be taxing me more. Did it feel weird to have to show up and sort of ask the government to do that? Well, as I was saying, it wasn't that I just want my own taxes to be higher. It's that I want the laws to be changed so that all the people with means pay more money so that we, the state government has enough money to pay for the stuff that makes New York, New York. New York City is the magnet for people all over the world to come, to create new businesses, to innovate, to do new things. You know, ask, you know, young 20-something entrepreneurs about why they're here in New York. They're not going to mention the tax rate. Well, you're saying the government really needs the money, not just the charities, because you need basics like oh, yeah. roads and trains, right? Yeah. I mean, sure. It's easy to raise money if you want to build you know, a, a new concert hall at Lincoln Center and put somebody's name on it. What we, we also need that sewage treatment center up on 143rd Street. We also need somebody to fix the potholes in the streets. We also need pre-K for you know, three-year-olds and four-year-olds. We also need hospitals. We also need mental health services for our people. We also need trains that run better than the trains actually run. We also need a lot of things. You know, not everything can be gotten by getting a billionaire to want to have his name on something. When you're in situations with people in power, what is their reasoning for not raising the tax rate? They're afraid, I think. You talk to the governor, what does he say? He says, oh, the millionaires will move out of the state. You know what that is? That's appeasement. Hmm. That's a saying, oh, there's these rich people and we, we can't really upset them, so we can't like ask them to pay more taxes or else they'll you know, move to Mars or something. <laughs> um, maybe they will, I don't know. But these policies have worked in the past, in the 1950s and 60s. We built interstate highway systems and universities and all kinds of stuff. And America was very successful. And it was only around 1980s where people got the idea, oh, we shouldn't do this. We should just let the rich people keep their money and the poor people, well, whatever. Our country sort of made a change in a different direction. One of the things that you highlight when you testify and when you talk about this is that in the United States, we have an income tax but that most rich people aren't drawing an income. They're making money on wealth, right? Right. We have a tax on income. Now, that does, in, I mean, there's different kinds of income. There's earned income, people's wages and salary with people that work for a living, and there's investment income. Now, we do tax both, but we tax investment income at a much lower rate than we tax earned income. So in your ideal world, how would this work? Well, frankly, I think that when people get money, they should pay income tax on it, regardless of how they got the money. You know, if um, somebody makes $100,000 through a um, profit on an investment like I might, my taxes on that $100,000 would be uh, around $4,000. Because for people that earn get long-term capital gains, there's a 0% bracket up to $77,000. And even then, the tax rate's only 15%. So, I mean, that That's seems, a pretty sweet racket. <laughs> well, yeah. But, I mean, why on earth should I get 
a lower tax rate than you do. I mean, I don't employ people. Well, I mean, I support this Patriotic Millionaires, which is a charitable organization that employs some people. But, um, you know, Slate employs far more people than I do, you know, per dollar. You know, I mean, it's not like I'm creating jobs. It's not like I'm doing something special. I sit around. I own stock that I invested in years ago. I wonder if we can do something right here, which is we should talk about how things changed a couple of years ago with the tax change. You sort of alluded to it. Can you can you explain to me how the Trump tax cuts impacted people like you and what the difference is like now? Like me? Sure. The money I used to live on comes from gains on my stock portfolio. I have stock in companies like Amazon, like Apple, like Berkshire Hathaway and other companies. Those companies are making much more profit now because they used to be paying tax at a 35% rate, and now they're paying tax at a 21% rate. So those stocks are worth much more than they were now than they were a couple of years ago. So my income, which is not even realized, I've unrealized gains, which I pay no tax on at all, and even the realized gains, which I can control because I only need to sell stock when I actually want money to spend, those I only pay taxes at a rate, at a lower rate than was the case two years ago, which is 0% for $77,000. I'm married, so that's the married rate. And then um, 15% up to over $400,000, and then 20% after that. When you see this conversation heating up, I just wonder if you worry about the tenor of the debate changing. Like AOC, she has an advisor whose Twitter handle is every billionaire is a policy failure. Well, now, see, I don't believe that. If you look at the richest people in our country, it's roughly a third of them are like in the money management business, like hedge fund managers. Roughly a third inherited their money and roughly a third were some kind of, created some kind of business or something. I think it's great that people can build businesses and things. I just feel that those people who inherited those billions of dollars should pay taxes on the money that they got too. But I guess the pushback would be that creating a lot of new tax will create a lot of disincentives for business to develop, but then also will create the incentive for people to find new ways to dodge the system. People will be storing their money somewhere else. People will be looking for loopholes. Well, look, not everyone follows the law. You know, some people get drunk and they drive around in their cars. Is that an argument for eliminating the laws against drunk driving? No. That's an argument for hiring more police officers. So the argument that people will not obey the law is not an argument that we shouldn't have the law. Warren Buffett has been saying this for years. Why do you think things have a chance of changing now? Well, I don't know what's going to happen. We do seem to have a little bit of traction in the Congress now, partially because the previous Congress went so far in the direction of lowering taxes on the rich that people are realizing it. And so there's more political space. People want to move the other direction now, I think. But we'll see what happens. I haven't seen anything yet. I wonder if it's less fun to be a millionaire now because, you know, you sat in Greece and you saw these crowds sort of coming down the street and you're hearing this vitriol. Like, I just wonder if 
like you think of it, you talked about a new grandchild and your children and you think about passing down your wealth and you think of it as kind of a little bit of a burden if you're not paying in more. I don't feel burdened. I feel a little bit worried, you know, at some point when we have riots and people with pitchforks and we don't do something about it. I feel worried. I feel like I'm trying to do something to make the world, you know, a better place for my kids. Can I be honest with you, which is like when I saw you testifying in Albany, my first read on it was like, there must be a trick here. He must be trying to find a way to hide the money and kind of get out in front of this debate that's going on. You know, I remember the first time I met um, Carl Hastie, the head of the New York State Assembly. You know, he walked in his office and his first question is like, why are you guys doing this? What do you want? And I tell it like it is. I'm concerned that gross inequality will be bad for me. I'm concerned that in another decade or two, the people who are doing less well are going to rise up and just say they won't take it anymore and we'll have riots like we did in Athens, Greece. You know, I'm concerned that if we have a few rich people, lots of poor people, it's not going to end well for the rich people, you know, as happened in, you know, Johannesburg, you know, a few decades ago. So, yeah, that's what I'm concerned about. So I'd like to change public policies to alleviate those concerns. Morris, thank you for coming in. Great to be on your show. All right. That's the show. This episode originally aired back in February. The latest we heard from Morris Pearl, he was at a rally in New Jersey calling on lawmakers to include a millionaire tax in their budget. Governor's still working that out. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, and produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Ethan Brooks. And like I said at the top of the show, you should totally come meet us tomorrow at Slate Day. June 8th, New York City. I'm going to be there with Wyatt Cenac, Mimi Roca, and Jumani Williams. Tickets are available at slate.com slash slateday2019. And there is a promo code for 30% off tickets. You just DM me at Mary's desk if you want a discount. If I don't see you at Slate Day, talk to you Monday. <laughs> 